every experience that you have lays down highways. This happens every second of your life. It's happened mm-hmm. probably a thousand times since this podcast started. Mm-hmm. So my when- brain has exploded several times <laughs> since this podcast started. I, You're this welcome. has been so <laughs> informative. Yes. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss. This is not your average grief group. I'm Gianna Demedio. Thanks for joining me as we normalize the conversation around grief with the stories of those who've gone through it, a whole lot of humor, and a pinch of celebrity and entertainment news. Because fun fact, they grieve too. There's more to grief than that godforsaken dove flying over a willow tree on a sympathy card. I know you've seen it and know what I mean. Let's change the way society looks at it. Visit ssfylpodcast.com for more. I have one word for today's episode, and it is fascinating. Oh my goodness. The amount of information that I came away with from Miss Danielle Massey is incredible. This whole shadow work thing is something I hadn't really tapped into, and it is very interesting. Danielle is a licensed family therapist and a master shadow work practitioner, and she owns the Wellness Collective, which is a holistic healing space in Center City, Philadelphia. She specializes in mind, body, spirit, wellness, the whole thing. And it's so true. To be healthy, what does that really mean? That's not just your physical anymore. That is so much more. And your mind and your spirit is so important to make sure that you're addressing all of that. She has this signature program called Create Your Light Academy. She gives you some more information at the end of the episode where she helps women unearth and heal unconscious blocks that they've been withholding in them. So she'll explain to us in this episode, think about trauma that you would have that you've been through in your life and how much there probably is tied to that, that you're not even able to access in your own conscious mind. This shadow work allows you to get to this point. It's like going into a whole deeper level than therapy. I think that some people probably think it's all woo-woo. I'll be honest with you. I probably thought it was a little bit of that too a few years ago. And now I'm really seeing the benefit of these types of practices. And Danielle really shows us how this can benefit today. It's very cool to learn about. And who knows, maybe after hearing today, it's something that you want to look into for yourself or for somebody in your family to really dive into the trauma that you've had in your life and just feel better, get to a better sense of self. Great episode today. Here's Danielle Massey. I'm going to take a sip of coffee and then we will go ahead and get started. <laughs> Water for me because I just drank all my coffee and now my mouth is dry. I don't drink coffee very often, but I was like, oh my God, like, ugh. <laughs> just I don't there. either. I know, but I, I have been as of late, I have a little one. I have a 14 month old and she's unfortunately been a little, a little sick. So mm-hmm. we've, we've had minor, some, yeah, some early mornings. So uh. they're little and they just like want to be on you the whole time. Like when they get sick, they don't want to go anywhere. It's adorable, but it's exhausting. I, know. I, uh-huh. know. I just feel so bad for her because she's like, I keep looking at the monitor and she's like asleep. Like her eyes are closed, but she just keeps like, ah, ah. I'm like you poor thing. And then I can't sleep because I'm so sad. I tell you it gets better, but it doesn't. <laughs> But I I mean, every single bad day I would do over and over again because it's just amazing. I know. It's amazing. All right. Daniel Massey, thank you so much for being here. I am very intrigued by what you have to offer. A psychotherapist and doing a lot of work with shadow work. Can you give us a little introduction to yourself, how you got here and some of the journeys you've been on? Absolutely. So thanks for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited. I love listening to what you have going on. Thank you. So for anybody who doesn't know me, I'm Danielle Massey, licensed psychotherapist and master shadow worker. Shadow work is the process of going into the unconscious mind. So I know when that word comes up, if you haven't seen it on TikTok, you might not have ever heard of it before, know what it is, and we'll get all into that later. But my journey to get to this point started with psychotherapy. And what I realized over time was that the therapy process only got us so far. It always felt like we were hitting this wall. And for 10 years of being a therapist, it felt like I was getting my clients 80% of the way better. And then we were just leaving that 20% and it didn't sit well with me. Like it just felt like there was something more and I couldn't get to it. And then I was diagnosed with cancer back in 2018 and it flipped my entire world upside down. And through that process, I actually opened up this kind of spiritual side of myself. I didn't realize was there. And that was when I found shadow work and it changed everything. That last 20% that we couldn't get to with shadow work, we can get that. And then some, it goes Hmm. even deeper. So 
it's been such a huge part of my life and the work that I do with clients and getting people to heal fully from things that have been plaguing them for a really, really long time. It's powerful. How has the the cancer journey been for you? I mean, you you look beautiful and healthy. Are you do you have a clean bill of health now? I do. I got really lucky. Good. I was diagnosed at stage one cervical cancer. Most okay. people aren't so lucky. The main issue with cervical cancer is that it's detected with a pap smear mm -hmm. and recent legislatures changed the annual pap smear to be something that happens every five years. Right. So if you don't get a pap smear for five years, you could have stage four cervical uh, cancer. Yeah. It's awful. And it's all, it's a money thing. Everything's fueled by money. Right. But if you don't know what to look for and the signs aren't there and you aren't going for annual, annual checks, you could very well have it. So it's terrifying for me to think about that, but I was lucky in my journey and I moved through it quickly. I had a bunch of surgeries, but I didn't have to have any chemo or radiation Good. and it was still horrific. Yeah. It's awful. Yeah. What do you think was one of your biggest changes to your mindset about life after experiencing that? This is a grief podcast, so it's perfect to talk about this here, but something we don't really discuss often is how you can grieve things other than the loss of a loved one. Mm -hmm. Like you can grieve the loss of a relationship or a loss of your identity. And so for me, I grieved my own mortality because up yeah. until that point, I was 29 when I was diagnosed, it was the week before my 30th birthday. I felt like I was completely impenetrable. Like nothing yeah. could hurt me. I could eat Elio's pizza and drink beer all night and <laughs> go out and party. And it didn't matter until it did. And all of a sudden I had to face the fact that I could die. And that was something I really had to just own up to and change my life around that thought. So the grief process was deep for me. I think I went into a hole for maybe about three months where I just was a mess yeah. Three yeah. days of it was awful, but three months total. And when I came out of that, I was a different person. I just see the world through a different lens than I did before. Yes. Did it make you approach the relationships that you have in your life differently? A thousand percent. Everything mm -hmm. that I took for granted before the things that I just assumed would be there. I don't do that anymore. And a few years later now, I still don't do that because life is short and you never know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I say this all the time. I hate that it takes something like this to change in, in your mentality, right? You wish totally. that there is something positive or that people could just, you know, once you hit 30, you feel it or, or whatever it is, but yeah. it always seems to be triggered by something so negative and something so life altering, but in some sense, it is a positive. I don't know how you feel about it now. I certainly feel with the loss of my father and the grief that I've had in my life, that I can look at it as there have been positive after effects from it because of the way that I look at life now. I don't know I would have been able to had I not experienced that. And I'm very grateful that I had this lesson. You know, I would have liked for it to have come in a different way, you know, maybe on the inside of one of those Elio's boxes, there was just like a little note, like, hey, more to life, start looking at things differently, you know? <laughs> but I'm grateful to be in the mindset that I am now. Yeah. And every experience that we have shapes the way that we view the world. That's a big part mm -hmm. of my work is how our brains are formed and how they impact the way that we see things. And so it sometimes takes that huge monumental shift in order to shift our brain's neurology to change the way our neural pathways are wired. And that makes us see things differently out of necessity. You have to, whereas before you can have that rose colored glasses view there's someone that I love in the spiritual field, Joe Dispenza, Dr. Joe Dispenza. And he said something really profound in one of the talks that I watched. He said, change can come from your lowest lows, or it can come from a place of peace. It's up mm. to you when it's going to be. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The, okay. And so I'm thinking about that now. Cause I do feel, I do feel that I'm at a place of peace. You know, some days are better than others. And the longer I spend here, the longer I'm able to ruminate on the life that I want and to have a clear path of how to get there. Whereas mm -hmm. if I'm not in peace, there's just so many other things that are coming at my head in different directions and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, lowest of lows and days of peace. I like that. Okay. Yeah. And what you're talking about right now <laughs> is essentially shadow work. Shadow work is the process of going into the unconscious mind to change 
everything about the way that you viewed stuff before, the things that were triggers, the things that were heavy. And when you alter your perspective on them, it shifts you into alignment. So it doesn't feel like you're so scattered and torn and all over the place. You're really coming from that place of peace, like you're talking about, which makes Mm -hmm. it so much easier to plan out your path from that point or to manifest that future reality that you want. When you're doing shadow work, is this something that's ancillary to therapy or can it be its own thing? It's its own thing, completely separate. It was actually founded by one of the primary psychiatrists who founded psychology, but it's its own separate discipline where uh, most people that I see that practice shadow work aren't therapists, though a lot of therapists do practice it. Do you recommend someone be in therapy before trying shadow work or can you go right to shadow work? You can go right to shadow work. There's no real difference. The best way to think about it is the shadow is accessing the unconscious mind, which is everything that you've repressed and hidden away. So you have the conscious, that's like the stuff that you're fully aware of, like whoever's Mm -hmm. listening to this podcast knows they're sitting, listening to this podcast or driving in the car, listening to the podcast, wherever you are, that's conscious, you're fully aware. Then there's the subconscious, the stuff that's just below the surface. You can access it pretty easily. This is the stuff that we bring up in a therapeutic setting. So when you go to therapy, you go, I don't want to talk about this. I've been kind of pushing it down a little bit, but we have to talk about the grief that I feel over the loss of so-and-so. Mm-hmm. The unconscious is the stuff you don't even realize is there. Mm-hmm. You couldn't access it if you tried from a conscious state, which is why shadow work is important because it helps you kind of dig down deep into those unconscious memories and rewire So how do them. you get there? Are you like a master excavator? How, how do you <laughs> get to those things? Yeah. So the way that you access them is through a certain brainwave pattern called theta brainwaves. And believe it or not, we all access those theta brainwaves every single day. So it happens a lot as you're falling asleep, like as you're drifting off, you're in that theta brainwave pattern. So unconscious stuff can bubble up, which is why so often we dream about loved ones who passed on because that's the easiest way for them to interact with us or old repressed memories come through. I think very often people will tell me when we do a shadow work session, oh my God, I've saw this before. I saw this in a dream. It was a recurring dream I had as a kid. I didn't understand what it was until now. So it's just, it's there. It's just below the surface. So meditation is the way that we access it. When we meditate, we can get you into that theta brainwave state and pull up whatever needs to come up. And trust me, there's a lot. I think the statistic is that 92% of your brain capacity is unconscious mind, which is huge. Huh? Mm -hmm. I wish the listeners could see my face right now. I'm just like, like I'm (laughs) very, this is very interesting to me. So I'm visualizing it almost like, like a hypnosis. I, I know that it's not, but is it like, okay, so you meditate, walk us through like what a session would look like with somebody to, to where you can get to that point. Like I'm visualizing it. You're meditating. You get to this theta state. It's called theta brainwave state. Yeah. Theta brainwave state. And then once the client is there, do you then start asking questions? Like, how do you bring that up? So first it's not hypnosis. And the big difference is that with hypnosis, you won't remember anything Mm. and you can't just readily walk away from it. Like if your phone started ringing and you were under hypnosis, you wouldn't be able to be like, hold please and answer it. Whereas with this, you could like you have full control of your body, which for me is really important because as someone who's been through a lot of trauma, trauma can be agitated by hypnosis. It can make it a little bit worse because you're taking away the control and feel. Yeah, totally. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So with a a shadow work session, what happens is I walk people through a meditation and it's guided. So you don't have to worry about your brain being everywhere, like thinking about all kinds of random stuff. And once I recognize certain physiological changes in the person that I'm doing this work with, like I can see their breathing has slowed enough. Mm -hmm. They've relaxed their body, like shoulders are down. Like do people start twitching a little bit? Like, you know, when you like fall asleep and you get that like leg twitch or something, will you notice that? Yeah, it's not usually that far, but I would lie if I said that hasn't happened. Okay. So I have to bring them up a little bit. Like, don't go all the way into sleep. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I know with my husband all the time. It's like, you know, like 10 minutes into a movie, all of a sudden the twitching starts. I'm like, God damn, are you serious? We didn't even get to like, we didn't even meet some of the characters yet. Well, I me. know you're asleep. My husband does this with me where I start dozing off and he's like, get back here. We just- uh-huh. And I'll turn and look at him and all of a sudden his eyes will open. He's like, what? I'm awake. I'm like, you are not. <laughs> yeah, you and my husband could talk at length about this. That's always me. 
it's, it's so easy for me because I constantly get into theta brainwave state and do shadow work and I meditate. Oh, I'm time. sure. But the second I stop moving, it's like, I'm like a shark. I'm just like, oh, like we're out. <laughs> you know, we're done. <laughs> what I do with clients is once I get them to that point, what I do is I, I just kind of liken it to like pushing you through a door and mm-hmm. I go, okay, like we're going to open this up now. Tell me what you see and you can see everything. You know, I was mm-hmm. listening to one of your recent episodes. So you were talking with a medium who was fantastic. And yes, you Portner. Question, yeah, I asked the question of, or you asked the question of, can everybody do this? Does everybody have gifts? And she answered, and I want to kind of elaborate on it. Yeah, we all have gifts. Every one of us is clairvoyant, clairsentient, clairaudient, claircognizant, which means that all I have to do is get you to the point that you can see it and push you through the door and you see everything. And so what will happen is you'll tell me what you're seeing. I'm psychic too, so I can see what you're seeing. We're seeing it together. So if there's anything that you're missing, like if there's something very obvious that I want you to pay attention to, I can just go okay, so tell me what's happening behind you. And I'll Mm -hmm. have you turn around and look and you're like, oh my God, I see X, Y, and Z. I didn't even know that was there, but I don't have to lead you at all. You're going to see everything and you're going to hear it and you're going to feel it in your body because it's a memory. So just like literal, literally any memory that you have, when you bring it up, you probably feel it on all these different sensory levels. Like you can hear the person's voice. You can smell what was happening in the room. You can feel them around you, their energy. And it's the same thing with this, where Mm -hmm. when you feel it on all those different levels and you hear it, you smell it, you taste it, you touch it, you're remembering. Mm -hmm. And so my job then becomes changing some of those things for you. And so most of the stuff that we go into with shadow work is traumatic memories because your brain is constantly working to push those down and to keep them away from you. And so what I want to do is as those things come up to the surface, I want to change how you're feeling about them. Your perception of what that memory might've been. Exactly. Okay. Because memories are, this is a weird thing to say, but our memories are a lot of times bullshit. Like it's basically like you remember things one way and immediately your brain starts changing it and altering it. And you have new mm-hmm. cells that take over every single day. And so they have to recreate the memories and they always shift. Mm -hmm. So however you're remembering something now is not exactly how it happened. And that's okay. So when we go back into those memories, we can again, tweak them and move them. So the things that maybe made you feel really triggered and still make you feel really triggered, we can change on every level possible and doing that changes everything for the future. Yeah. It's wild when you think about it. Yeah. We can change everything about what triggers you, what makes you upset all the things that you might feel on a regular basis that pull you out of alignment from that place of peace, we can get rid of. So you just feel that peace. How have you worked with clients with grief? I immediately am thinking about in the six months after my dad died, I would call my best friend and be like, is it possible to be in a fight with a dead person? Because I feel like I am so angry at him. I feel his energy very tense around me because there were so many things. When you deal with a sudden death, you don't get to have these conversations. You don't know it's coming. And I was left there by myself to deal with all of these things and so much you know, came out and just things I was learning and, and, and whatever, I I probably would have benefited from seeing somebody like you, but I was going through a lot of it myself. There probably is more that I could go into as well, but I had to go back to a lot of parts of my life and just like fight it out. I am at a very good place with him now and, and our relationship and that we have here with him in the afterlife, which is actually a question I want to get to you too. I want to know what your version of the afterlife is, but do people come to you to try to figure out their relationship almost with the person who passed, like to unearth some of those memories and to not rewrite the story, but just to get a clearer picture of, of what the relationship was? Yeah, absolutely. That happens all the time. So within my group program, that's one of the key reasons people end up coming in and doing this work is because they feel unsettled about things that have happened. Great word. Yes. Yeah. It's just like that weird dissonant feeling like Mm -hmm. just sitting right. And in order to let that go, you kind of do have to go back and fight those moments out. So that comes up constantly and it is possible to do. And this might be getting into the really metaphysical side of it, but sometimes it isn't even past memories. Sometimes it's about connecting to them now Mm -hmm. and wherever they are in like their current state. 
So most people, when they pass on, they float in this realm and just kind of watch over you and wait. That's not always the case. Sometimes they cross over really quickly and move on and reincarnate as someone new. Sometimes they linger for a really long time. It just depends on that particular soul. But that means you can access them now and talk about what happened. I've talked about reincarnation a few times with guests on this podcast and a question I've never thought to ask until now, when a soul reincarnates, does that mean that you can't technically access them anymore because they're now living out a different life? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And it's complicated, but I will tell you what I know. And I have a really cool view on this because um, unlike a lot of people who work in the spiritual field, it's not me accessing it all the time. It's me and all the thousands of people that I get to work with. Yeah. So I get to see my perspective, but I also get to see theirs. Uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So I- you've kind of like correlated all of their thoughts mm-hmm. together to have this broader picture. Exactly. So from what I've seen across the board, from all the people that I've worked with and the people that have come to see me for this stuff, what I've seen is that our souls are not really bound to physical bodies the way that we Mm -hmm. think they are. So if anybody's heard the term higher self, that's like something that people in the spiritual community call like the version of you that has existed through every lifetime before and will exist in every lifetime to come but they're outside of your body mm-hmm. and it's like, they're like floating up in the ethers and you can access them and ask them questions and have them guide you forward. So that version of your soul is always there. So when someone passes on and their soul leaves their body, the version of them that was here is still here and their higher self is also up there, but mm. further up there in another dimension. So okay. it's complicated. But yes, yeah. I, but I see what you're saying. If someone yeah. reincarnates, their higher self is still up there uh-huh. and you can contact them and talk to them. So it doesn't actually change anything. Okay. This is way more complicated than I meant to get on this podcast. We're going deep, but I kind of no, love I, but it. I, I love it. I love it. And I, again, like I said, we've talked about reincarnation and the soul and afterlife a few times on, on this podcast. And I, I hope the listeners are going on this journey with me that like each time somebody new comes on, we're like, okay, we have a different understanding now. So maybe we can ask different questions that I wouldn't have thought to before because I was just at a different level of, of figuring out what all of this means, but it's also fascinating what I want to know. So there, you know, there's a whole part of society that looks at all this stuff as I love this term, quote, the woo woo, right? And this is all just, <laughs> oh, the, the, the crystals and the oils and the this and the tarot cards. And they picture somebody sitting there with a giant crystal ball. How is it viewed in the medical community? I mean, you are somebody who's sitting in front of me with a bunch of degrees who has been in this world for decades and saying that you have brought this into your psychotherapy practice because you see the benefit of it. So if somebody's listening, saying "Mm, shadow work, I don't know how I feel about this. How is it viewed? What can you, can you say about the efficacy of this and how is it it viewed in that sense? My background is actually in cognitive neuroscience and psychology. So I was one of those people before, like I was, Oh, interesting. Yeah. I would write it off like this is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And what's funny is I actually connected with spirits as a kid. And as I got older, my parents were freaked out by it. And they convinced me that I wasn't seeing any of that stuff. And it was all dreams. And they they convinced me I was wrong. And what I found out later is that my grandmother was a pretty renowned medium. (gasps) And yeah, they kept me away from her because they didn't want her telling me that I was right and like working on that stuff. So it's a whole thing. I actually have a book coming out in November. So I'm going to talk about it plenty in the book. Oh my gosh. I need a copy. I'm reading. (laughs) (laughs) So when I started getting older, everything became about facts. Like I needed to see it proven. Mm -hmm. I needed to see the research and the data and cognitive neuroscience was perfect for me in that front because everything needs to be quantified. You can't just pull things out of the air and go, I think this is a thing you need to support it. It has to be peer reviewed. So with that background, I can say that retraining the brain around shadow work and accessing unconscious traumas is scientifically proven. And there are a lot of other people in in this community, in the medical community, who are specializing in this work. So Dr. Joe Dispenza is one of those. Dr. Brian Weiss is a renowned psychiatrist who accidentally found past lives with his clients in the therapeutic setting. 
So accidentally was, love it. Accidentally. Yeah. He was helping someone regress through hypnosis. Cause that was, well, that's a particular part of psychiatry. Not every psychiatrist does it. Some do. And he was helping them to regress to deal with their childhood. And they went further on accident and all the facts checked out everything they pulled up, like the name of the person who existed. Wow. Everything that they went through the way that they died it all checked out. So that would be a book I'd recommend for anybody who's like, I need to see more of the, the hard science and the facts. What many was that book? Lives, many Lives, Many Masters by Dr. Wow. Brian Weiss. Yeah, okay. he talks about that process. And then uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza has a bunch of wonderful books, but one of my favorites is Becoming Supernatural because he breaks down the science of what's happening neurologically and physiologically so beautifully. Wow. It just makes it simple to digest you have two children yourself. Do you feel that they have any of, of the gifts of being able to connect? One of them does for sure. <gasps> I told you earlier, we all have gifts, right? Uh -huh. Every single one of us, and you can strengthen them and you, it's a muscle. You can flex them. You can make them stronger. You can work on them. So if you're listening to this and you go, I don't have any of that. Yes, you do. You just need to learn how to kind of pump yeah. that muscle up. But some people just naturally are more gifted, just like with anything else. Like some people are more coordinated so they can play volleyball, whereas other people can't. So right. my son, <laughs> yeah, my son, who's my younger child, he's five. He is very spiritually gifted and always has been where he's been seeing spirits since he was very young. He can tell me when they're in the room and I see them too. So it makes it really easy. And as a parent who's seeing the same things he does, I can kind of comment and go, yeah, tell me more about it. Tell me what you see and we can have yeah. those conversations. And he's once or twice let slip his past lives to me as well. Oh my gosh. That's so mm -hmm. crazy. That's so cool though. And, and I hope you know, think that's such a nice thing for your son that you are in a position to be able to embrace it where, you know, it was probably upsetting for you that your parents weren't on that same wave as you and, and tried to suppress it from you. There have been some instances where I feel like my daughter's like looking into a corner and like waving at something or just <laughs> feel like she acts as if somebody else is in the room or something like that. But if she comes to me when she's five and tells me that she's like seeing things or able to connect with things, I'll be like, yes, girl, let's go. Let's, <laughs> let's totally figure this out. Love, Call girl. on your pop up. Let's hear it. Yeah. <laughs> What is he telling me today? Uh -huh. yeah, we're in a much different world now than we did 30 yes. years ago. It's just yes. a different place. And all the people who say like woo woo and crystals and all that bullshit, we're so lucky to have that now. Like the mm -hmm. fact that you can walk into an anthropology and pick up some rose quartz as you're going to shop for like tops is insane. Because when I was a kid and I was interested in witches, I had to like hide out in a corner right. of the library and not let anybody see me. Right. They would have thought I was some weird pagan. And yeah. I did that. <laughs> there was like yeah. a couple of times low key that I might've just went to Barnes Noble and read the books there. Cause I didn't want to take them. Want to buy them. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what the next 30 years brings and, and how different that would be. Maybe we'll be getting our rose quartz in the, in the CVS pharmacy. Right. <laughs> You have an amazing website. I will certainly link to it in the show notes. And you you really go into detail about how you can help people. And there's a couple quotes on there that I want to bring up. One of them is that you, you say you help women heal from wounds that they've been carrying for lifetimes. Are there times where people just know that something isn't right in their life or they know that they're not on the right path, but they don't quite know what it is or where to target? And is that what your work can help with? Yeah. And just the fact that you're asking the question makes me think, is that something you've ever felt before? Because I think we oh, all certainly. Have. Yeah. yeah. I, I think my therapist is incredible. And I, I, you're making me wonder, like, I haven't ever done an actual shadow work session, but I wonder, is it something that therapists kind of weave into the work that they do because of the way that she's able to, I call her like a, like a, she's like an anthropologist. Like she has gotten down to like, the deepest fossils of things where I think I've done the uncovering myself. And I'm like, look at what I did. Look at what I was able to find out and the time that we weren't together. And she's like, yeah, now go even deeper. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> There's deeper? What do you mean? You know? Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The, the things that I, I remember one of the, one of the questions that she had said to me early on was if you could talk to yourself as a child, where would you go? Like what age? And I, I said an age and she said, how do you feel about that girl? What's going on in her life? And I said, I feel sad. I feel like she's lonely. I feel sad, blah, blah, blah. 
And she said, okay, well, what was going on in her life at that time? Where, what was her relationships like? Where was she living? What was blah, blah, blah. And it all of a sudden came together of how much something that had happened to me in that year really impacted me. And I would have never thought of it as anything other than just fact before, but I realized how much that really set off things to happen in later years. Can that we was talk about how much your therapist is awesome. She's she phenomenal. <laughs> no, I have said to her, I, I would like every single person in my life to also see her. She's incredible. Very if much. If everyone was in therapy, this world would be such a better place. I 100% agree. I talk about it all the time and I'm going to repeat it again because my hope is that I manifest it, that therapy should be like a primary care appointment. You need to go once a year and then you're assessed and then they determine if you need to do more, if you only need to come back for your yearly checkup or whatever it is, every single person should be in therapy. It is not needed for trauma. It is for mental wellness and just taking care of what you have in the same way that you need to take care of your body. That is my soapbox. I am done. Continue. Can we all manifest that together as a group? Because that's fantastic. It's so needed. And what you're talking about with your therapist is like a high level form of shadow work. But I will tell you as a therapist, the point of therapy is to go deeper than what it is that you bring into the room. And so you think you're coming to talk about A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. And your therapist is how to like, how do we get to X, Y, and Z? Like how do we- and go down through all these other layers to get to as deep as we can. Real quick, I want to mention Rent the Runway. You guys know that I'm traveling a ton. We moved different states. How do I keep up with that with my wardrobe? Well, here's the trick. I don't really have a lot of clothes. I have some basics and the rest of it, I rent from Rent the Runway. It's the best way to keep up with the styles, the seasons, everything that you could possibly need, any events that you need to go to. I don't have to worry about lugging all that stuff with me. I just rent it and have it sent to whatever location I'm in. But it's not just for travel. I did it all the time too before we were traveling and it's just a great way to make myself feel better. You know, who wants to be in an outfit that you don't even feel comfortable in, you don't like the way that you look? Rent the Runway lets you mix up your styles as often as you want. You can choose from 700 designers. I found designers that I hadn't even heard of that now are some of my favorites. And the absolute best feature, free shipping and dry cleaning. Amazing to not have to worry about that whatsoever. And that's a huge savings for both financially and with time. There's exclusive discounts that you get all the time and you can pause or cancel at any time. They have several different plans that fit your needs. So you can pick how often you think you're going to be wanting styles or how many styles you're going to need per month. Right now until the end of January is a special offer that they have 50% off two months of Rent the Runway membership. My code RDR Gianna can help get you 50% off of two months. They have memberships that are starting as low as $45. Great way to try out Rent the Runway, try new trends to spice up that wardrobe in the new year. This offer lasts until January 31st. So log on and act now with code RDR Gianna. So when we ask those kind of questions, and it's always about questions, we're always trying to poke holes and get you to go a little further, Mm -hmm, a little mm -hmm. deeper. What our hope is, is that you find your way into the stuff that you can bring to the surface. That's subconscious. It's still dealing with the stuff that you can access on your own. So shadow work is even a layer deeper than that. You don't know it's there. You can't find it Mm -hmm. until you actually get into that theta brainwave state. In the conversation you just talked about, like, let's just say you said age six and you didn't realize that that year there was a lot going on for you and you were being bullied and it really altered your view of yourself and your self-worth through a shadow work session. You might find that it wasn't just the bullying that happened that year. It was also that your mom was going through something. And as she was going through something, she was distant and she wasn't able to be there for you. So you weren't getting support in the way that you needed. And that's something that you may not necessarily remember. Mm-hmm. Like right now, like me sitting here talking, like, I don't remember that, but if I did shadow work with you, I would be able to go into like that room with my mom and say, oh, mom was also dealing with this at the time. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. I mean, even just think about that, right. At six years old, we're really egocentric, actually age seven and younger. We can't really see other people's perspectives, mm. we have perspective taking limitations. And so your brain is only focused on what is happening to me. 
You're not looking at mom and going, how's she doing? Is she okay? Does right. she need support? Right. You just can't right. think You're of worried it. about your next meal and where your toys are and if their cartoon <laughs> is on at the right time. Yeah. Exactly. And so as an adult, when you do shadow work, you're going back and you're back in the body that you were in then, but you have the cognition of an adult. Mm. So you can look at those moments and go, mom looks like she hasn't slept. She looks like she isn't putting herself together. Like she's a fucking mess. And I can mm-hmm. see that she's a mess. And every time I need her, she's pulling away. And Mm. at the time as a young kid, you're not thinking about what's mom going through. All you're going is I need someone right now and there's no one there. Mm -hmm. You can shift in your body how that feels. You can start to develop empathy for what your mom was going through. You can feel into the things that would have made you feel better. And you can give yourself that love and support in the moment to change how that memory is stored within your brain and within your body because all traumas are stored within your body. How long does that often take? How many sessions or how long do you generally work with somebody to get to that really big breakthrough moment? It's so fast, like 45 minutes. It really doesn't take long. That's part of the reason why I love it, right? With therapy, which is something that I practiced for over a decade, I had a private practice and I still do have that private practice where I have two therapists on staff. But with therapy, I'd be in sessions with people for five years, six years, going through, working Mm -hmm. through stuff. And we were getting that 80%, like we weren't getting to the root. Those same people would come to me for one shadow work session and it's done. And that's it. Pack it up, walk out the door. But the thing with shadow is that when you think about it, you've had a lot of trauma throughout your life that you can remember. So think about all the ones, all the trauma you, you don't remember. Yeah. Right. So we can tackle really big, high level issues in one session, 45 minutes in and out. It's done. It never bothers you again, because we rewired it both neurologically, physiologically, and within your energetic field. So it just doesn't sit in your body anymore. When that's gone, you might notice like, Oh, like I have something else going on that I wasn't paying attention to. So then you go mm-hmm. back and you deal with that thing. So my group program, I made it two months long where there's eight shadow work sessions, because that's been the number that after doing this now for four or five years, I've noticed that after around six, seven, eight sessions, everybody feels amazing. They feel like they're completely at peace. There's nothing really weighing them down anymore. And after Mm -hmm. that, it becomes kind of like a vanity thing. Like shadow work just is fun when you get to that level. So that's around the number that I think. I have some people in my mind that I am like, I need to send them your website ASAP (laughs) that they need to do this that I've been thinking, oh, they need therapy. They need this. But like, maybe this is, is something because the the things that I'm thinking of are, are trauma specific and maybe this will be really helpful. And I still believe therapy is amazing. Like I have two therapists on my staff at the wellness collective because I think everybody should be in therapy because Mm -hmm. not everything is super traumatic. Like sometimes, like you said, there's just mental wellness stuff that you need somebody to just help you see your way out of those things. And that's what therapy is for. And it's incredible for that reason. Another thing on your website you mentioned was unconscious programming. And I don't know why, but that just was very intriguing to me. Tell me about that. So this gets a little sciencey. So please okay, buckle up. Here we go. Buckle up, people. <laughs> the, the brain from the moment that you have a brain, which is around like eight weeks within your mother's womb, your brain starts to form. It's basically like a blank slate or like a, think about it like a highway or like a desert with nothing in it, right? Like there's nothing there. It's blank mm-hmm. space. And a highway gets laid down based on your experience. So if your mom gets sick while she's pregnant, a highway gets laid down in your brain based on that experience and what happens to you in the womb. Or if you hear loud noises in the womb, when your ears are first formed, that'll lay down a pathway, a highway will form in this big desert. And every experience that you have lays down highways. This happens every second of your life. It's happened Mm -hmm. probably a thousand times since this podcast started. Mm -hmm. So my when, brain has exploded several times since this podcast started. I, this welcome. has been so informative. Yes. Keep going. <laughs> what happens over the time, like by the time you get to around 20, especially by the time you hit 30 or 35 is your brain is fucking tired of making highways. It's like, I'm over it. I want to use the old highways. Like let's focus on the ones that are already there. And so what happens is if anything occurs within your life, your brain does everything it can to reroute to a highway that's already there. Okay. So it's like, oh, okay, you want to build a new one, but look how good this one is. Let's go this way. 
And so highways that are already formed expand and they grow and they become like six lane mega highways with a bunch of exits and entrances and overpasses and ways to access them to just make it so readily available, which is the reason why every single one of us has such a different view on the world and why grief is experienced in so many different ways. Because if when I was young, let's say my family just ignored grief, like people died. And this is actually a true story. My parents cannot handle grief. Mm. The second someone goes into the hospital, they're basically already dead. Oh my they, God. I'm not even kidding. I wish I was like, they're done with it. They, they just talk put those blinders up. Blinders are up. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it never even happened. Like they don't deal with it, period. So growing up around that, it makes it feel like that's the pathway. And that's what mm-hmm. you learn. Whereas my husband's family builds memorials and shrines for the dead that take over entire walls of a house and they yes. don't stop talking about them. Total opposite direction. They memorialize the dead. Is it, he sounds Italian. Them. Is he Italian? Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Checks out. Very <laughs> Italian. Yep. We memorialize the dead. It's what we do. Checks out. Yep. That, yep. So that shapes the way that your brain is formed. What we want to do with um, unconscious programming is essentially the fact that your brain is laid down the way that it is. Those highways are set in stone when you get to a certain age and you don't realize why. So if you're someone who's listening to this and you experience grief to a point where it feels like you can't move through it, like you're just living in grief. And when people say there's a bright side and you can learn things like Mm. what you were talking about earlier, like if what happened with your dad didn't happen, you might not be here. And would you rather Mm. him be here? Of course. But you can't say that that experience didn't shape you. Yes. Someone else might not feel that way. And they yes. might listen to this podcast to try and feel that and way. But they think I'm crazy. It. Yes. Totally understood. Uh huh. That's unconscious programming. It just means that there's some early, early, early experience that has shaped your brain in such a way that you can't get to the root of it. You don't understand why. Mm. And so what we want to do with shadow work is we want to go back to the moment that laid down that first initial highway for that particular thing. And we want to dig it up so it doesn't exist anymore. That's called synaptic pruning. And we want to lay down a completely new highway and make that the primary access point. That's called synaptogenesis, the creation of a new one. And so when we do that and we like totally get rid of the old one, we create the space for the new one, it shifts everything. It just completely rewires the brain. Brain is exploding again. This is fascinating. (laughs) I love this highway analogy that you have. That is an incredible, incredible way to explain that. And you made something that is very sciencey, very easily understood. The way that I'm looking at it is almost like, I want to take this on a very basic level. So like if something happens in your daily life, that is really not that big of a deal, but is it that you're, you have this unconscious programming of that highway that just says, this is a problem. This is a problem. This is a problem. So these things create stresses in your life. So that is it through shadow work and some of the work that you do that you're able to, okay, let's tear apart this highway and let's reroute it so that you are able to see that these things don't necessarily need to be causing stress in your life. Not to say that you can't have stress. Of course you can, but these minor things that are causing it for you don't need to take you to that place. Exactly. Yeah, that's spot on. And when you think about the things that stress you out and the minor things, right? Mm -hmm. You probably have people in your life that are like, why are you letting that bother you? It's not Mm -hmm. a big deal. And for you somewhere internally, even though it's minor, it feels catastrophic. Mm -hmm. It's because it has nothing to do with the thing you just experienced. It's about the first time you felt it. And what happens is when it triggers that old highway, the old pathway that already exists, your body starts to react like it did the first time it happened. And so your heart rate starts to pick up, your breathing gets really shallow. You start to get a little foggy. You get extremely anxious. It feels like you're going to jump out of your skin and no one around you understands why. I mean, hell, you don't even understand why Mm -hmm. it's because it's reminding you of the first time and you don't see it. So Mm -hmm. if we can get rid of the first time when it happens now, it's not such a big deal doesn't bother you anymore. Yeah. You don't have a highway associated for that trickle down effect of creating this intense anxious reaction or this chronic stress reaction within the body. So cool. So cool. <laughs> kind of cool. <laughs> wow. Okay. 
another thing I want to talk, I mean, we could sit here and go into this for, for hours on end. This has been very fascinating. I've used that word 17 times, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I have no words left. This is amazing. I want to talk about relationships because you are a licensed family therapist. Is that how you say it? Yeah. Um, relationships can be very intricate in general, but then especially after grief, your relationship with your own self completely changes. And then the relationships with the people around you in terms of your friends may not understand what you're going through. And all of a sudden the people that were there for you are not necessarily your go-to people because they're just not as supportive as you want them to be. Or your family can be having a totally different grief response than you are having. I've seen this happen in my own family of I want to grieve one way, somebody else wants to grieve the other way or vice versa. How can you counsel people or what would your advice be to how people can approach the relationships in their life after a traumatic event like grief? Yeah, my advice on this is always the same. And it is that nobody is a mind reader. And so your responsibility for yourself is to say everything that you need to tell people how to be there for you because nobody handles grief the same way. And so if you lost someone close to you and you find that your friends don't really know how to talk to you about it and they get a little distant and they check in every once in a while with, how are you doing? And you go, not good. And they're like, oh, sorry, sorry, this yeah. happened for you. And they don't really know what to say. It's common. You could ask them for something that you need. Like, Hey, I just need to be with somebody today. Mm -hmm, we mm -hmm. don't need to talk. I just need to be in somebody else's energy. Can you come sit with me? Or it could be, I just need to vent to somebody. I don't even care if you have headphones on, like, just let me go. <laughs> when you ask for what you need, it changes everything. But that's and so hard, right? Like we don't know what we need. It. Yeah. And we're not programmed to figure that stuff out. We're not taught to figure that stuff out. So that's my challenge for everyone, whether you've lost someone or not, is to start to learn to figure out what it is that you need on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. And this comes down to just creating a real coherence between the brain and the body. We were taught to ignore our most basic primary needs constantly. Like how many times have you had to pee and you're like, let me just finish this email or I'm yeah. hungry. And it's like, well, my lunch breaks at 12. So uh -huh. like, buckle up buttercup. Like we'll go for lunch then. Uh -huh. We're constantly taught to ignore how our body feels. And so of course you don't know what it is that your body needs in that moment. But if you start to ask yourself on a regular basis, what do I need right now? Maybe you need a sip of water and you haven't had any in a while, or maybe you need to just go outside and breathe some fresh air. You create what's called coherence between the brain and the body. Your body needs something. Your brain is able to interpret it and communicate what that thing is. And it just forges this really deep connection. So when you're feeling grief, you can better articulate what it is that you need because you know what you need. Mm. And it's funny this cracks me up every time and it's sad, but it's also funny because I felt this myself in my own grief. Sometimes we don't know what the fuck we need. Like we just, we can't get to it. And so you want the people around you to do something different, but you're like, just figure it out. People like yeah. just know what I want and just be mm -hmm. here for me in that way. When you feel like that, I think the best thing to do is to just lock yourself in a room and do whatever it is that feels primal. Like if you need to scream, mm -hmm. scream into a pillow so people don't think you're getting murdered, but just scream at the, the top car. Of the car is a fabulous car. place to scream. Oh, I've had many scream go. sessions on 76 outside of Philadelphia. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta love the scream in the car and, you know, and anywhere that you can, or maybe it's just crying. Like when I was diagnosed with cancer, I basically told my entire family, my two kids who were extremely young at the time and my husband forget I exist for the next week. And I just went and I just cried every day and I didn't shower. I didn't really eat. I just cried all day in bed until I just let all those emotions out. Mm -hmm. But when you get rid of those like higher level responses, those like immediate needs that need to go out, whether it's the screams or the cries or just shaking your body and just getting rid of the energy, you're going to be clear on what it is that you actually want. Like yeah. once you get rid of that immediate gut reaction, then you're going to go, I just need someone to hold me or yeah. I just need to talk to somebody about this because it feels crazy or I still don't know what I need. I need more of what I was just doing, but mm -hmm. it just becomes a bit less foggy. It sounds like you're saying to, to believe yourself, mm -hmm. like oh, it, yeah. give your brain the legitimacy that if it asks for something, fucking do it. Like there, I think we have such a notion to want to 
to make everything seem more, I don't don't even know what, but like it should be in this box or it should be in this box or it should be this when the brain is like, I am literally asking for water. Like that's (laughs) it. (laughs) It can be so simple. And I think the simplicity of the asks can be the the struggle. Like that's something we talk about in terms of like, you really don't need to do much to be there for somebody who's grieving, just be there. That's it. Just sit there in silence. Just send us a short text. Just be accessible for the person so that when it is that they decide what it is that they need, you can do it. Sometimes people feel this pressure to figure out exactly what it is when it can just be so simple. Some of the things I remember the most are the people that literally just came with me to CVS. Like, I just need somebody to be here with me because that can be the most overwhelming thing. Forget about even going to a grocery store. That was impossible. But going to a CVS to be like, what do I need? Okay, you need tissues. You need Advil. You need this new lotion that you have to replace, blah, blah, blah. But that was so incredibly difficult for my mind to get its head around at the time. And just Mm -hmm. having somebody there with me was all I needed. Absolutely. Yeah. And in therapy, when I was a therapist and full disclosure, I don't practice as a therapist anymore because I just found shadow work so much more helpful. But when I was working as a therapist, people would lose people all the time. It's a part of life. And when they would come in for sessions after that, most of the time we would just sit together on the floor and do nothing and just like be in each other's space Mm -hmm. because no one lets you just be. After you've lost someone, everyone wants to do something and to be there for you in some way. So whatever it is that you need, just creating that space, like you said, is everything. Mm -hmm. Just being accessible, just being there. And if the people around you aren't doing that, ask for it. You're allowed to ask for it. You don't work all the time in these relationships to, in your moment of need, be like, well, if they're not there, sorry, use it, lean on the people around you. Don't feel like you can't. And it doesn't matter, even if it's a family member, like you highlighted the idea that certain family members go through grief differently, you can still ask them for what you need and maybe see what they need too and lean on each other and just be Mm -hmm. there for each other in those moments. It's Mm -hmm. an opportunity to grow closer together. Don't let it be the thing that pulls you further apart. Absolutely. Right. It's like you already lost one person to lose the people in your family is just so traumatic after the fact, Mm -hmm. but it is hard. You know, we hardly recognize our own needs and wants, as you were saying, it's really hard to then be able to go and say to somebody else, this is what I need. It's like, if you can't do it for yourself, how do you expect others to do it? Or it's uncomfortable to go and make that ask, but hopefully the repetition and, you know, hearing it on this podcast, hearing it on some of the other podcasts that I've had, hearing it through your website and other work that you do, people will begin to realize and, and, you know, myself and you will realize, you know, cause it's, it's a, it's a continual work that we have to do. Right. And, and it's always, we can always do work on ourselves, but to realize that's what we need to do. And that's, what's going to help us better ourselves and better our relationships. This, this, I'm just blown away by this episode. I love this so much. <laughs> I think if you're someone who's experiencing grief and you're really at a loss and don't know what to do, just start by finding a place for yourself where nothing interrupts you. Like turn off your phone, lock the doors, tell whoever's in your life that you're going to be MIA for a minute and just let yourself feel. I think there's this innate need for us just as a society to repress. Like when you feel like you want to cry and it's bubbling up, our gut reaction is push it down, mm-hmm. get rid of it, make it go away. Mm-hmm. And instead, I would definitely urge you to just let everything come out, especially during grieving. Because yeah. when you repress it and you bury it somewhere, it doesn't go away. It's not like you're getting rid of it and unloading it. What's happening is you're trapping it within your physical body and then it takes shadow work to get it out. Yes. Come up, let it, it come will up. find you. It will. <laughs> and over time, I think this is actually how I got cancer. And I talk about this a lot, but chronic stress accumulates and builds mm. over time. So every time we push something down and we bury it within our body, it stays And over time, our immune systems get weakened because of it. And whatever the weak link in your DNA is, your genetic chain, that's where you're going to see issues. So for me, I've had a lot of trauma around my womb space, so many issues, so much neglect from ex-boyfriends and sexual trauma and blah, blah, blah. And all that stuff gets repressed. And I would bury it down and push it down and push it down until I got cervical cancer, which is a disease associated with the sacral. So don't bury anything, Mm -hmm. let it come up to the surface. Give yourself permission to feel, even if you don't know what you're feeling, just give yourself the space 
to feel yes. whatever it is that you're feeling and ask yourself how I'm feeling right now. Yes. Create the coherence between the mind and the body and see how things change. Scream into that pillow, scream in the car, oh, yeah. cry in the car. I have a blog on the website, ssfylpodcast.com with 11 songs that are great to cry it out to. Fire oh, up that yeah. playlist yeah. if you need to. <laughs> That's so good. That's so needed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Just like help you do it. If you were given the opportunity to do shadow work on three celebrities or somebody in the entertainment world, who would it be and why? Okay. First one immediately, Kim Kardashian. Ah, I love it. There's a reason for this. One, her entire life has been pure chaos and everything <laughs> the is the best way. Being, I love it. Yeah. It's about being on right? Like she yes. can never just settle into her body and be, and even the media portrays her when she experiences emotions and she lets herself cry, people turn it into memes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, like Kim ugly cries and look like, oh, she's whining about something. She's never allowed to <laughs> feel. And that's horrific because that girl's gone through a lot. Like she yeah. had an uncle who was potentially a murderer, potentially. Right. People forget crazy. that. Yeah. Forget he, that. Yeah, he might have done it. Yeah. <laughs> right? That's a, a huge breach of trust in the adults around you. And then yeah. having her parents split into teens after the effect. And then she had a sex tape leak from an ex-boyfriend. That's such a fucking violation mm -hmm. of your rights as a human being. She's been through a lot, not to mention all the divorces, having to parent all of her kids while her ex is doing whatever he's doing. Easily, hands down, she's the first one that I would want to do shadow work with to just reconnect some of that disconnect that happens within the mind and the body. I love her. And I love you for bringing this up because I think that people are so easy to attack her, but when you peel it back and look at everything that that woman has been through in her life and what she's been able to accomplish, she's a fascinating human. There, I use the word again because I can't get out of it this episode, fascinating. but fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> and she's an amazing businesswoman. Like you can't knock her for what uh, she's accomplished. Yeah. That person's done everything. I, yeah. I can't say anything negative about her. Kudos to her yes. and the amazing empire that she's built. She built that family. Yes, so. absolutely. She's number one. She's number okay, one. Great. In my life. <laughs> um, number two for me would be Sheena Shea from oh, Vanderpump. Oh, okay. Yeah. Going with a lot of reality stars today. The reason why I would pick Sheena is because everything when you watch her is an act. Yes. So like when you see her, it's almost like she's in that fight, flight or freeze response constantly. Like she's frozen. Like yes, deer in headlights. 100%. Mm -hmm. she she's a, to... she, everything is, a, is defense mode. Yes. Everything is an excuse. And months later, she can maybe come up with maybe that was what I was feeling before. But it's almost like she has to give herself permission to feel mm -hmm. those things. So a hundred percent, I feel like going into that and understanding how to like bring up some of those negative things that have happened to her early, they make her feel like she has to be that way. And that she has to show up in this weird twisted way. I just feel like there, there's so much that could be done to help her on all those different levels. And then she can show up in a really authentic way and not feel like she has to bury and push things down and repress. So mm -hmm. she would be my second one. And then my third person that I would love to do shadow work is the queen herself, Beyonce. Ooh. Uh -huh. Just to be around her for honest reasons, but also because <laughs> one of the things that I notice with people who have a lot of shadow is that they tend to be doers. It's like, there's so much loss of control internally that we need to create external results. We need to produce, mm. we need to hustle. And as we do those things, it's like, we can just keep stuff buried because our brain is too focused on covering it up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It can't notice what's going on internally. And so I'm sure there's so much buried deep down below the surface with Beyonce that, I mean, from a young, a young age, they've been treating her like she's an adult and she's worked her ass off. And so yeah. there's so much there that's got to be repressed and pushed down and buried away that I would love to get to the root of. And people yeah. look at her like, She's so authentic. She says what she wants. She shows up how she feels like. But when you watch things like that documentary she put out a couple of years ago, you just see her constantly working. Like it mm -hmm. never stops, which is a trauma response. So mm -hmm. there's shadow there that needs to be unearthed. Maybe one day we'll get there and you'll do it, it. Awesome. and we'll have that you back. Dreams. <laughs> yeah. Maybe after the book comes out and people read it and it'll just fall magically into their hands. We'll manifest everybody going to therapy and we'll manifest my book ending up in the hands of those three women. 
Right. And then you have them as clients and then they come on the show to talk about the experience. Fantastic. It's a done deal. There it is. It's out there in the universe. We'll talk to everybody in 2023. Yeah. <laughs> well, Danielle, thank you so much. If if I haven't said, did, have I said it yet? But this was a fascinating podcast episode. <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned it once or twice. Once or twice. You, the, this was really, really cool. I am, I, I, I can't wait to like look into this a little bit further. I can't wait to recommend you to so many people that I know. Where can people find you? And did you want to plug your academy here? So you can find me on my website. It's I am like I am Danielle Massey.com. And it's the same handle for TikTok and for Instagram. I am Danielle Massey. I also have a holistic healing center in Philadelphia that's both in person and virtual. So you can be a client no matter where you are in the world. That's wellnessphl.com. The PHL is like an abbreviation for Philly. I never realized how big it was going to grow to and that we'd have clients in Dubai and Scotland. Oh, so cool. Good for you. Amazing. Yeah. So wellness PHL. So that's uh, Instagram too. You can find us in the same place and on Facebook. And those are the ways to connect with me. I also have a group program called create your light Academy that runs quarterly. So a few times a year and we do group shadow work because I find that this work is better in the support of sisterhood. When you have people Mm -hmm. around you who understand what you're going through and can be there for you, no matter what time it is, whatever it is that you're dealing with, you just have that built in. So Create Your Light Academy is my favorite thing. It's my, it's just a really special place for growth and for healing and for everybody who's listening. If that's something that interests you, just reach out to me and I'm happy to answer any questions that you might have. And then lastly, I have my shadow workbook coming out this November with Sterling Publishing House, Barnes and Noble's publisher, an absolute dream come true. I can't wait until that date comes. Yeah, congratulations. We'll definitely be staying tuned to uh, make sure we get the book and take a look at it. And again, like I said, just see where you go from here. This is amazing. Thank you so much. I hope some of my listeners really take advantage of this and contact you and do this shadow work and get the help that they need. You're amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Head over to Instagram to follow more at so sorry with Gianna. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, leave that five-star review. I would love you for it. More to come on this season of so sorry for your loss. So stay tuned.